All right, good morning. And uh, in Luke chapter 8, I'm just going to kind of set the stage for today because I really, really love this message and it means a whole lot to me. And it's so appropriate for this week. But in Luke chapter 8, uh, Jesus said this. He said, I want you to be very careful right now how you listen to me. He said that. And then he, he gives this, this parable of seeds and he says, I, you know, a farmer planted seeds and he talked about different soils that it might land on. And then he closes and again he says, be extremely careful how you're about to listen, not just to what I'm saying, but even more specifically to what I'm doing. In the last two chapters, what we saw is Jesus went out and a centurion sought him out. Somebody, somebody important, right? A, a synagogue ruler sought him out. Somebody Somebody important and, and commanded his attention. Um, and th- then at the beginning of this chapter, chapter 9, it says King Herod himself longed to see him. He's drawn so much attention, crowds pressing in, important dignitaries commanding his attention and wanting to be there. And you see a continual theme. While the synagogue ruler is in front of him, a woman is behind him, who doesn't consider herself even worthy to uh, to get his attention. She just wants to touch the hem of his garment, and that's all, that's it. Uh, the, the the dignitary, the 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 um, synagogue ruler, wants to have him into his home. She doesn't want anything else. She she doesn't consider herself important, but Jesus felt her touch. That's important. Consider carefully how you listen. He felt that touch. When when Zacchaeus is up in a tree and the crowds are pressing in, his eyes, with all of the distractions, managed to see Zacchaeus. he, He managed to feel the touch of desperation. When all of the crowds are loud and they're making all this noise and clamoring, he manages to hear the cry of a deaf man. Lord, have mercy on me. How did he hear through the noise? How did he feel through all of the touching? How did he see through all of the distraction where he needed to be? And continually, be careful how you listen, continually he gave dignity to those who society deemed worthless. Continually he looked at those people that were important in the eyes of society and said, I love you, you're my children too. But this child... This woman, this leper, this, and he even went to the other side of a lake, didn't he? Because he saw a legion and the living in the tombs on the other side of the lake. He saw value where we don't always place value. And he gave dignity and he gave worth to those people society don't give worth to. Listen, that isn't just an incidental theme in these chapters. I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty sure that is the message that we're trying to drive home in these chapters. This is what Jesus means when he says, I want you to be careful how you listen. You remember what he said when a woman comes to him and starts washing his feet and drying them with her hair. He, he addresses everyone and he says, Do you see this woman? Do you see her? And so that's going to be kind of the continual message this morning is, do you see that person? Are you aware of these people in your lives that are around you? Do you hear them? Do you see them? Do you feel them? Because what commands my attention and what commands your attention usually are those that we consider to be important 
people that I can, maybe that can advance me further. If I were to ask you, hey guys, I've got a guest coming in town. I need somebody to put him up for a few days. Um, it'd be kind of like when you get that text message, that text message that says, what are you doing tomorrow? Listen, guys, I'm going to just make a confession to the whole church right now. If you say, what are you doing tomorrow? I already know you need help moving. We know that. Listen, if you say, let's have lunch tomorrow, you say what it is. If you say, what are you doing tomorrow? You're moving. I know that already. Listen, but it's the same idea that's at play here. Um, You know, if I were to ask you, hey, would you put somebody up for the night for a few nights? Man, you'd probably say, I'm not sure. But if all of a sudden I said, hey, Bob Goff's coming in town. If I say all of a sudden, you know... um, Francis Chan's coming to town, or I don't even know. I, I was making fun of myself this morning because I don't know popular bands anymore. Um, and I was just trying to think of what a popular band would be. And I, and I was thinking, if they were coming, everybody would be like, my house, right? You know, that, I'm getting excited about that because of where we put worth. And, and I understand that to agree. I'm the same way. But this is what's happening in the chapter. And this particular section, this is what's been going on. And I want you to picture the crowds. I want you to feel the crowds. And I don't know what kind of crowds you've been in, but I was in a crowd one time where a girl that we were there with, it was a group of friends, that she turned pale and white and her feet weren't touching the ground. That is how much the crowd was pressing. Her feet were no longer touching the ground. She couldn't breathe. And my friend and I had to lock arms around her and push out just to keep her breathing. That kind of a crowd, pushing, yelling, screaming. There's angry people in the crowd, commanding Jesus' attention. Teacher, I've got a question for you. They're ready to challenge him in front of everybody because you're challenging my importance. And then you have people that are in desperate need that want, to, that want his attention. And you have everyone. And it's loud. And it's this is the scene. And, and the crowds in, in, in the book of Luke are not an incidental. They are actually, I think, a very deliberate theme that plays through the book. We're going to see that more later on. And then Jesus finally, in contrasting the crowds, took a few of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they go up on a mountain, and he's transfigured before them, and they see Moses, and they see Elijah, and we talked about that last week, and they come down from the mountain, having experienced God in his glory, and this is the conversation. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest, I love Mark's version. The the context of this is priceless. But I love Mark's version of this. And Mark's version, it says, they were walking along and Jesus heard them arguing through the whole trip. You know, and this reminded me so much of being a youth minister. It's like, it's just white noise to me. I don't know what's going on back there. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns to him and he says, what are y'all talking about? In Mark's account, this is what happens. What are you talking about? And you know how embarrassing that would be? How humiliating that would be to have Jesus ask you this question right now. And it's because he knew that they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Now, that's a, this is a comical verse, and it should be, because how does a conversation like this get started? I mean, I'm just trying to picture how do you walk down the road and say, you know what, um, Steve, i, I got to talk to you about something. I'm better than you are. I mean, how, how, how does a conversation like that get going? And I was laughing about it this morning until I realized, you know what? That's probably not how the conversation went. It's probably a conversation we're more familiar with than that. 
a conversation where they're not sitting back saying, hey, I'm the greatest. No, you're the greatest. And it makes sense. Peter, James, and John were just on the mountain with Jesus. I get it. But that's probably not how the conversation went. It probably went a little differently, and it might be the kind of argument we're more familiar with, where all of a sudden I just, you know, casually mention my credentials. Hey, moms, you know you're familiar with this when other moms kind of come at you and you just do it in the nicest way, but say, listen, uh, uh, you're doing your best, but I've got some advice. You know, I, I, I like that look Christy just gave me. She goes, yeah, I've been there. I, you know, but, but it's, it's one of those things where it, it might be casual. Just, just going to mention my credentials. Just going to mention my experience. Just going to bring it up real quick. Just to let you know, well, I'm better than you. Uh, Brad showed me a, 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 I didn't have the guts to play it this morning. It'd probably be inappropriate, but it's a video clip of a, a preacher, and it's actually a real video clip. This really happened. But he's up here preaching a sermon, and somebody's falling asleep over here on the left side. And in the middle of his sermon, he goes, I'm important. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, what would happen at Metal Ark if I did that? And, and, and he walks over to the person and he says, you are sorry. And he starts talking about how sorry this person is that's sleeping in a, during his sermon. Now none of y'all are going to sleep, right? And it, it, this person that's sleeping in a sermon, how sorry they are. And he starts going off on how important he is. And I was thinking, wow, that is just the opposite of what Jesus did. He went out and he breathed importance into other people's lives. And he's the son of God. And he's out showing other people their worth and their importance and, and who they are. And so in the middle of this argument, and I want you to think about the last argument you had, that if you were to be really honest, this is what it was about. You know one of those arguments where you're in where you're talking about something really, really insignificant and you realize, I'm not sure we're arguing about what you say we're arguing about. Maybe we're arguing about who's the greatest. And Jesus, in all of his wisdom, and so fitting for these chapters, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Oh, man. I, I was honestly, I planned this sermon to be on this day months and months and months ago. I didn't even think about VBS being this week. And, and normally I'm preparing for a sermon by looking at commentaries or things like that. And I got to teach little children all week with these verses on my mind. God speaks to us through children. He speaks wisdom and humility and beauty. And it's just amazing. Can you imagine what it would be like in this heated discussion that you're in about which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom and then Jesus stands and he brings a child. Now, children back then, children are sacred to us today. The children back then, let me tell you, they were sacred, but they were also many homeless children in their society. Children were left to the elements a lot more frequently than they are in our society. Some of you who have lived in third world countries and you've seen, so I've seen it. You've seen what it is to see countless children on the streets. It's actually a thing that orphanages are not all over this world. That we don't have foster care all over this world. Sometimes children are really just left to the elements. 
and there's infanticide and a, a lot of other things. But this is not, that is closer to the world of first century Judea than it is to our world. When you talk about a child, you're talking about something that can be discarded. It is not important. Children were not considered important in much of ancient society. Now in ancient Bible, they're sacred. In the Old Testament, and according to God's teachings, absolutely sacred, right? But the thing is, Jesus brings this child, somebody who would be insignificant in their society, and he says this, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you, he will be the greatest. Um, we've been taught to pursue greatness. And there's a lot of symbols. There's a lot of things that we have. It's in our intonation. It's in the way we carry ourselves. It's in the way we dress. I want to command respect. I want to command respect through a, a lot of other things. And in some ways, that can be healthy. But in many ways, that can be very, very ungodly. Jesus came and he turned the world upside down and he said... I want you to value others. And when you're in a conversation with somebody, don't worry about how they're going to walk away thinking about you. Let them walk away thinking about how great God is and how much worth they have. That takes somebody who is Christ-like to do that. Um, I want to play a video for you. And the reason I decided to put this video in the middle of this sermon is because I don't just want to play... Um, Kelsey Meyer put this video together for us. It's really well done. I, I, I don't simply want to play this video so you'll have a slideshow of our VBS this week. I want you to look at these children and look at these faces. And those of you who helped with VBS this week, um, let's, let's just honor them real quick. If you helped with VBS this week, let's, let's just give them a hand real quick. Um, these children represent greatness. They represent God. And in the midst of all of our conflicts, in the midst of everything that our self-importance, I want you to look at these faces and let Jesus speak to us. Um, before we play the video, I just wanted to introduce it with this poem, one of my favorite poems ever. It's super short. It's written by, written by uh, Wilbur Reese. It says this. And God said... With what shall I shatter man's self-importance? How shall I tickle his ribs and get him to laugh at himself? How shall I interrupt his ponderous deliberations and muss his carefully combed hair? How shall I dump blue sky in his lap, show him the importance of mud, moths, and the month of May? How shall I mimic him and embarrass him, disturb his dignity, and cause him to smile? God thought for a while and then answered himself, I shall make a child. In the heat of the battle And I fought through the dust and the shadows Oh, you never left my side Never left my side, no And I stood at the top of the world I swam through the depths of my soul No matter what I find No matter what I find, oh Drop a famine High and low Wherever I go Oh, you're gonna find me there 
I can't tell you how much, uh, how crazy it is. Um, with all of our pride, 
to allow God to speak to us through those that our society has discarded. Not, not these children, but through the homeless community, through those that um, maybe are in your work right now, that um, you're in a battle with about who is the greatest. Um, and God wants to remind us through Christ, I want you to see these people. I want you to be aware of them. I want you to honor them and restore dignity to them. I want you to know their names and use them. Doesn't that mean a lot to you when somebody does that? I want you to feel honored. How about this? To spend time with them. To feel honored by that. This is how Jesus drew people to himself. Crowds came to Jesus not because he was the Christ. A lot of people claimed to be the Christ. Crowds came to Jesus because of the kind of Christ that he was and is. Because he loved where other people don't love. He gave worth where other people don't ascribe worth. We are, as the church, are called to be the body of Christ today. And that means we have to do something really countercultural and something that is counter our nature. And that somehow look around us constantly being aware of where would Jesus be right now? Where would his eyes go? What would he feel? What would he hear? Where can I be right now? Um, I want to lift up just a prayer of thanksgiving, um, not only for our children, but I've been, um, I can't tell you how difficult this week was, I'll be honest with Lee, for me. Um, you put me in a room with little children, and as much as I love it, I'm terrified. Um, I really, and I went home mentally exhausted every day, um, but just singing praise to God for how amazing he is. But for those of you who work with children or who have worked with children, um, I thank you so much. I praise God for you. And I think it's one of the most thankless jobs that's out there. It's one of the most underpaid. And let me tell you, you're investing in something where, is, where God's heart is there. Uh, Father, I just want to ask a blessing on those that have poured love into children, into our children. And um, I ask God that you would use children once again, that you would, um, every time a church conflict comes up, every time my pride arises, any time something like that happens, uh, God, I just cause you, I pray that you cause us to laugh at ourselves again, uh, to not worry about our importance or our worth or our greatness. Uh, but God, just to see, uh, just as you command us in Scripture, to, that we would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, truly consider others as better than ourselves. I pray that you'd show us the wisdom not just to quote that verse or to think that verse, but God, give us the wisdom to feel that verse. And I just uh, ask your blessing over this body as we continually want to be the hands and the feet of Christ to give dignity and honor and worth to those um, 
that it might be easy to uh, instead want to impress. Uh, I love you so much for the wisdom of Christ. It's in him we pray. Amen. Let's worship our God together.